your treasuries, there your heart will be also. And, uh, and, and Jesus has been saying to them, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and we look at that theme this evening from uh, that first letter of John. Uh, there's a lot of uh, information there and uh, of, of exhorting the believers to walk right with Christ. You know, we've been saved uh, by the Lord, and, uh, but, but he sees in that world that he's living in that there are, uh, you know, that there are people who were turning their backs upon the Lord. They were turning away from the true doctrines of grace. And, uh, and these people, uh, he wrote this letter to. I did say this morning that these things have been going on a long time. Paul wrote various letters to deal with various issues that, um, that were going on in the churches. Corinthian most uh, notoriously had all manner of problems and he had to deal with those issues and he wrote these letters and uh, to the Galatians and Ephesians uh, and the Colossians. Uh, why? Because all the way, the centrality of Christ, people were being drawn away from that and drawn uh, to other things. And when churches do that, I said this this morning, is that they will die eventually. When you get away from the truth, who, 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 who is Jesus? He is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And... Uh, when we move away from that, it's the beginning of the end of a church. It will dwindle, it will die. That's why you go around our country today and you'll see so many churches that are shut or their houses. If you go up north, and I remember, I'm going back to the 1980s, it was quite shocking when I used to travel through Yorkshire and uh, over into Lancashire to, uh, to uh, inspect some work at what was Lucas Aerospace in those days. It was... There were so many different churches that I saw where Methodism was strong in the days after Wesley and Whitfield. And that they were, as I was saying, warehouses, car showrooms, all sorts of things. But they weren't churches anymore. There was no places of worship. And Yorkshire is, is a very, uh, there are evangelical churches, but it's a real barren place for the gospel because they turned away from the truth. And so... John here is writing this epistle to exhort the Lord's people to keep their eyes upon Christ, basically. That's what he's saying, and that's what we should be doing. That's why we're at the beginning of a new year. Keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. He is the treasure that should be in our hearts. That's what Jesus is talking about. And I'm just focusing, uh, and the Lord has led me to these few verses, 15 to 17, and um, from this passage where it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what, Jesus, uh, what John is writing here, uh, as we look at this passage this evening, is that, uh, this is our first point, do not love the world. What does he mean by that? Well, I'll tell you first of all what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean that we can't go outside and enjoy a glorious view. 
or enjoy the seed of the birds or as we have done in times past when we used to have cloudless skies we used to look up at the stars because this is quite a good car park there's not too much light particularly when that light goes out and uh, and we've enjoyed the stars uh, and what does it do it makes you praise god all of these things like that the natural world it's wonderful really how people think that these are evolved they're mad they are absolutely mad and and you know there are, that's not the world that jesus is talking about i did mention in my prayer from psalm 139 when uh, the psalmist he said we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we are when you think about it i was laying on the on the in an mri scan the other day they were looking at my liver and my spleen what on earth's a spleen for you know but we need them god has placed them there we need the kidneys we need the heart we need the lungs all of those things we need um, otherwise we're going to die i mean there are some bits and pieces that come out i've got no gallbladder and um, maybe some of you are the same as me because they get filled up with stones uh, and and there are some things we can survive without but they can cause problems when we haven't got them because god has made us in such a wonderful way how can people believe that that's just happened it's madness we've been wonderfully made and uh, and we can think of those things and we can they should make us praise god and not turn us away from god in fact it's a therapeutic thing people keep saying if you've got suffering stress and and uh, you know have problems go outside go and look at the world which is around about you i'm not talking about smoking chimneys and things like that i'm talking about get out in the countryside and and just take it in there are so many people that suffer this time of the year uh, uh with sad i think they call it but don't ask me to explain what that means except in that they they feel bad in the winter time I, I remember a christian actually he used to go to spain so he was doing the right thing he used to go to, he's, he's now in glory but he used to go to spain every year because he could get out he could see you know wonderful things and enjoy the sunshine that was it he so it, it works because god has given us those things for us to enjoy though so that's the the natural world that the lord has made for us it's it's there for our pleasure and ultimately we're made for the pleasure of god so it's not those things the world he explains to us here in this passage is it's the lust of the flesh it's uh, the, the sin or the lust of the eyes and it's pride it's those are the things which are from uh, you know that is the world that we're living in and uh, and that's the world that we have been called out from as believers that's what he's saying we we've been saved by god's grace we've been called out of these things and the world is man-centered that's what the world is talking about and uh, and you know the lust uh, sexual immorality that's one of the, the as they call them the seven deadly sins or uh, the seven sins that we read in the bible that god hates it's one of those sins because lust uh, uh, brings about is about sexual immorality and we are living in a world today now where where people wouldn't say it was sexual immorality it is the norm it is the norm and almost almost not quite there yet anything goes but 
we're moving more and more to these things where anything goes. That's the state of our nation today. And, and in the time of John, there was this problem, even then, because they worshipped, all around them were idol worshippers. Idol worshippers. And, uh, and matching this with uh, his book of Revelation, and if you look at the first, uh, or sorry, the second and third chapter, when he writes individually to the seven churches of Asia, which we know as Turkey today, and uh, he was uh, serving the Lord in Ephesus, and, he, and, and the Lord, remember, he was on the Isle of Patmos when the Lord spoke to him. And, uh, and he mentions about the Nicolaitans. And, uh, and they were antinomians. Now, what does that mean? It means that they, could, uh, that they believed that they were saved by grace. They believed that a work of, of what Jesus did on the cross, they believed that he died for sinners, such as themselves. They believed that in Jesus alone saving them. In, in his death upon the cross, he's taken the punishment for their sin, uh, like we uh, recognize ourselves that Jesus has dealt with our sins. Uh, as John writes here, he's a propitiation that God's wrath came upon Jesus, and those of who trust in Jesus, the wrath of God is, is gone from us. We're no longer any sin to our account because Jesus has dealt with it. <coughs> But these antinomians believed that. But they were believed that they were saved just in the spirit, the inner man alone. And that their body they couldn't control. And, uh, and what the Nicolaitans did with their, their, um, this antinomianism was that they would go to uh, uh, the, where they were, like the, the um, Diana's temple, and they would join in the worship there and in the feast there. And they were saying, well, it's my body desires these things. I'm a, I'm a Christian inside. Uh, and, uh, and those things would lead to orgies, sexual immorality. Uh, as, as I was reading on these things, uh, to, you know, this is not what the Lord's people are about. And that's what he is telling us here, because he, this letter really is written to those in Ephesus and all of those areas where there are these temples and there were this group of people who were in the world still saying they were Christians but they were in the world and they were dabbling in the world and, uh, and it also you know there were their eyes it tells us that uh, people desire things this is breaking the commandments at the end of the day that's why he said in there if you do not keep the commandments you're, you know, you're not a believer you're not with the Lord and they're breaking the commandments they're breaking the commandment of adultery uh, and of course, they're, they're fornication. They're, uh, and then with their eyes, they're breaking uh, the 10th the commandment of coveting things. And we, you know, with our eyes, we can say, we, we desire things. And it's so strong and so powerful that we want that. We want that. And, uh, and you know, that's what these people were doing. I, I mean, it could be another woman. It could be money. It could be all sorts of things that they were doing. And also there was uh, the pride of life. They were proud of themselves still. They were looking at, uh, at themselves and, and, uh, and they were pushing themselves forward in the world, you know? Uh, you know what pride and boasting is all about? Well, these people were like that. And it was about them. And that's 
not what it is when you become a believer. Uh, and, uh, and that's why John is writing this letter. And it happens today. It's still going on in the churches today. And, uh, and it saddens me to think that uh, with sexual immorality that goes on in the church, I mean, what is sexual immorality? I'll just explain that very simply. That God made man, which we know as Adam, and he gave him a wife Eve. And that's God's plan. That, is, uh, that uh, a relationship is between a man and a woman. And it's a lifelong relationship. It's, it, that's the thing that the Lord has made, that they shall be made one. Let no man or woman or anybody else put asunder. They are made to last. And, uh, and that's, that's what it's about, between a man and a woman. I've got to express that clearly these days because we know that things have changed in our land. And, uh, but that's, just, that's, what, that's, God's, that's God's plan for us. And it's a great plan. It's a great plan. And, uh, uh, and sadly, we find that in this world today that we're living in, even in the Church of Christ, that there is adultery, that there is uh, sexual morality, and there are many churches who turn a blind eye to it. You know, they don't find out what's going on in people's lives. They don't want to know, because they know that they'll have to exercise discipline, and that should happen. That should happen. I know, I remember years ago in her own church, there was a girl who had been in France, and she came back pregnant. And, uh, and she was uh, dealt with gently and lovingly and with, uh, uh, with um, as I say, with people that were caring about her, about her situation. And, uh, and she repented and, uh, and she was restored. But she was banned from the Lord's table, and, uh, uh, but she wasn't excommunicated because there was repentance and there was a recognition that she did wrong. But discipline was exercised because discipline is, a, is it's a, it's of God that we should show that this is wrong. And it brought her to repentance. And there is a real thing in the church today of, of all manner of things where we are taking on the world and embracing the things of the world and bringing them into the church. And, and that, sadly, those things happen time and time again. And um, but we find uh, I mentioned that about uh, this girl and um, and it saddens me. I still actually old man as I am. I still go and play football on a Thursday night, uh, and there are unbelievers there. Well, if they swear, that's one thing. But when I hear people who are professing Christ and they use bad language, um, I wonder about that. And the reason I say that is because I was the world's worst. <coughs> when it comes to using bad language and taking the Lord's name in vain. I was the world's worst. But when I was converted, the Lord dealt with it straight away. I stopped swearing. Now, that was a miracle healing, I know. And so when I think the Lord has healed me from that, um, why should other Christians swear and, and use bad language? Because uh, it, it, there is this issue that with like with these Nicolaitans, they want to be accepted in the world, and uh, uh, and you know we as believers have got to be separated from the world. I don't mean 
that we don't stop working with people. We don't, we eat at the same table as our family where our unbelievers, because some Christians, as you know, uh, and Beryl told me a story about, I think it was two women that lived in Brixham, and they wouldn't sit at the same table as their father because they were, I think, some form of exclusive brethren. That's not what we, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not showing the love of Christ. But we do separate ourselves from the things that people uh, embrace in the world, who idolise in the world, uh, as they were worshipping idols then. We need to step back from those and see what are the, the things of the flesh, what are the things that are going to uh, take me away and take my eyes off of the Lord Jesus. Are they becoming an idol to us? There are all sorts of things that we can be in danger of. I do, I do hold my hand up, I go to football matches, and I believe there are some churches who would say, you shouldn't go there, you're going into the world. But, you know, I, I do enjoy my football, but I also know that um, the Lord is with me there. And I've actually had a, a, spoken to people, you know, I go to church, I go out and preach the gospel. And uh, it's a place of opportunity, so we need to rub shoulders with folk. But where there is a danger of, say, sexual immorality, <coughs> orgies and things like that, we need to avoid them like the plague. There are things that, I mean, most of you are older people are not going to get involved in those sort of things. There are some youngsters here, and there are tremendous temptations for young people. There are still, obviously, for older people. There are so many things that they throw at us today, and, uh, and they can take us away from our eyes from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, you know, pride is a very dangerous thing as well. There we just put ourselves forward all the while. And, and we've got to be careful of that in the Lord's work because sometimes uh, Christians, uh, and, and, and sadly you see it in pastorates as well, as well where they, you know, they, their authority is, you know, is... All being, my authority is the thing, whatever they say or whatever they do. And, uh, and that's wrong. Their authority is the word of God. They can't stray outside of the word of God. I know pastors have got to make decisions at, uh, when there is a, perhaps a lot of different opinions, and they've got to make a clear decision at times. But sometimes, and I've seen it, that there are some pastors who get puffed up, and uh, whatever they do and whatever they lead, has got to be the right thing to do. And that's not necessarily the way that the Lord uh, wants us to go. So pride is a dangerous thing. Um, as you know, some of us uh, uh, in Flitwick, we work in the, um, uh, the Central Beds Need Project. And, uh, and we did some Christmas hampers uh, for quite a few people. Uh, well, a few hundred people in actual fact around Bedfordshire. And there was a Christmas card in there. I didn't realise it until Beryl told me that uh, there was one name on there. We wish you a happy Christmas from one person. And, that, and they weren't giving out the parcel. They'd give out some, of course. And I thought that was sad <coughs> because really it's a whole teamwork. And everybody should have been said, on behalf of the Need Project team. And we've got to be careful in, in the way that uh, we address ourselves in the Lord's work. And that's what John is talking about here. We, we <coughs> our treasure is in Christ. Our eyes should be firmly upon the Lord Jesus. And, um, and, and in this 
passage here, he goes on to tell us that this world, and we've been singing that, is a passing, it's, you know, the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who, who does the will of God abides forever. You see, there is this terrible warning. We can be so taken up with the things of this world, which will take our eyes off, off the Lord Jesus. And, and we forget that this world is not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. Some people think that uh, climate change is going to finish this world. Some people think there would have been atomic bombs or atom bo uh, um, hydrogen bombs going back uh, uh, about 30 or 40 years ago when we had the Cold War. Some people might still think that today. Uh, they have this great fear in their hearts. But the reality of it is this, that when Jesus comes again, that will be the end of the world as we know it. And the, the renewing of this world that we're living in, it's a passing time. And we need to be right with God. And that's why we need Jesus to be the treasure of our heart. When we err and stray from uh, the, uh, the way of the Lord, he tells us uh, that we, he said, anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the one that we, we've trusted in him and we continue to trust in him. <coughs> And when we recognise that we're sinning or, you know, if you want to go out somewhere that you might think your conscience is saying, should I go to that place or should I do this or should I say that? And by the way, we all fail in these things, I'm, you know, myself included, probably maybe more times than you do. But we need to be asking the Lord, does this honour Christ? Is this a place where I can honour Christ? Is this a place where I can share Christ? We need to have that... Uh, thought pattern in our in our minds that should be something that we should do and is this a place where i can share the gospel with other people and uh, and really we should be to remain close to the lord we need to keep thinking about the lord jesus and as i was thinking of this passage this evening he is our advocate but just think about the life he led and the way that he dealt with people. He treated people, whoever they were, from whatever circumstance, uh, equally. And uh, without any sort of form of order, there was the Sidonian woman who was a non-Jew. She was a Gentile. But Jesus uh, cast out the demon that was within the child. And that's what she requested. He made it difficult for her. He tested her faith. But his love and compassion was there. Blind Bartimaeus, who, uh, who, when he heard who Jesus was, he had faith. He said, son of David. He knew. He knew the scriptures. He was a blind man. But he cried out to the Lord. And, uh, and, and some said, shut your mouth. Don't trouble him. But, Jesus, but he persisted. And Jesus met with him. And he said, what would you do? What do you want me to do? He said, restore my sight. And he did. But he had spiritual sight which is the most important thing, because he knew who Jesus was. But he restored his sight. Jesus, he was a beggar who people would have disdained. And uh, he dealt with uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector, went to his home. He got being accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners. Uh, uh, there was uh, Mary Magdalene, who was full of, uh, who she, he cast out seven demons. 
There was, you know, you could just think about the life of the Lord Jesus and all the different people that he met and dealt with and spoke to them of the Lord. Even those who were, uh, were well-to-do in society like Nicodemus, he gave him time to share the gospel with him and, uh, and also awaken him as well. To, to, he said, look, you're a teacher in Israel. You don't understand these things. He did in the end because the Holy Spirit opened his eyes to the truth of who Jesus was. But he, everybody he spoke to and treated kindly, it was hard at times, of course, he, because he was straight down the line with his message. There was no, uh, you know, you couldn't uh, doubt his message whatsoever in any way, shape or form or, or say, what, what does he mean? Well, they did when he spoke in parables, but... You only had to ask, well, what do you mean by that, Lord? And he'd tell you. He tested people's faith. He lived a life of perfection. And we are called to follow Jesus. He should be the treasure which is in our heart. And that we, you know, we should keep praying, as John tells us here, keep short accounts with, uh, with, uh, of, of our sins and bring them before the Lord. And, uh, and that we should endeavour to keep the commands, that's very difficult to do, but it should be in our hearts to do that, as he's saying, that we should avoid the things which are of the world, which could push us away from the Lord Jesus. We need to keep our eyes upon Jesus. That's the message that I have from the Word, the word of God this evening, and that, uh, that we just need to uh, trust in Christ, and keep him to be Lord of our lives. And as I said this morning, we need to be sharing him with other people as well. You know, there's nothing better to keep you walking closely with the Lord than actually talking to people about Jesus. And, and that's a wonderful thing to do. Well, may the Lord bless that message to us this evening. And, uh, and we're going to close now. We're going to sing our final hymn tonight. <coughs>